Hello and welcome to our Thursday morning doer series with Grand Theft Life. I'm Brock and I'm here with Joel Shackleton. This profile series is dedicated to highlighting individual millennials who are breaking through the typical stereotypes and courageously using new technology to make an impact and improve their lives. For more information and links to their stories and social accounts, go to grandtheft.life and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. In this episode, we are talking about Whitney Wolf Hurd. A very interesting episode, in my opinion. She is the original, one of the original co-founders of Tinder and also the founder of Bumble, has been extremely successful, but has obviously an interesting story because of the whole scenario around her exit from Tinder. So we're going to talk a little bit about her backstory, how she got into you know, her professional life career, and then a little bit about like what she's built with Bumble, why it's so important, I think, and unique in terms of what she's built there. And then get Joel's insight specifically on the online dating world and not only Bumble's position in that, but who else is in the space and, you know, some predictions for what's maybe up and coming. So I think, you know, what's really interesting about Winnie, I'm going to monologue a little bit about her story just because I've been following along for quite some time since the whole scandal, but wanted to, to you know dive a little bit deeper before Tinder. So it's pretty common for people to come out of university, which is what she did, um, and join, especially if you're on the marketing, like business management kind of side, to join uh, a startup in the California, like Los Angeles area it is. So she joined Hatch Labs, and this is so crazy, so serendipitous, but she, she joined and they were ended up working with Sean Rad, who was the the founder of, of Tinder on this other app called Cardify. Long story short, Tinder ended up being a hackathon side project that got some traction. So they decided to start continuing working on that. That was she was 22 at the time. So for some context, it's fresh, like brand new first job out of the out of university first, you know, on some podcasts that I listened to, they asked about, you know, what her first job was. And, and that was literally it working at Tinder. So insane experience because she um, was one of the people that headed up making Tinder popular on college campuses and actually very creative and resourceful in terms of the the types of marketing um, that they they did with Tinder even, which I don't, I don't know if you know, Joel, but she she was actually going and taking a lot of her friends that were the most popular people in certain um, sororities. She would take them and, and put them overlay on like the Tinder match screen, print out handouts, and then like literally pass them out around around campuses to get people to download the app. So it has an odd it. resemblance to the start of the Facebook start uh, in, a, in a way. Did they hand out flyers? No, well, may as well have, but it was essentially just rating people. Um, right, the hot or not thing. Right. Uh, I, I, in an extension to that, she would also go and she'd pay people $20, $20 to yeah. go in, um, um, hand them out across campuses. Yeah. I thought that was just fast. She was, she's kind of a, a grinder, you know, which I thought was cool. Totally. I, I totally appreciate that. And I don't know if you remember that, but I, I do remember hearing the college campus tour that Tinder was on their first, like when they weren't popular at all. Do you remember that at it, all? I think it kind of overlapped with Barstool's um, ragers that they would throw, yeah. which just so happened to be, a, I don't know, a sign of the times. Yeah. But yes, I did. I do remember that. It was perfect timing for Tinder, I think. Um, so yeah, Tinder came out, and of course, everybody's most people are familiar with 
with Tinder, it's famous for the swipe left or right. They they made that famous. Uh, even though I guess that wasn't one of the original features in the app. It was they had the the button like green check or red yeah. X, whether you could uh, decide to match with somebody. But then, so two years into it, there was she ends up finally. So it's tough because she signed something when they when they settled after, and she doesn't really speak about the the sexual harassment case lawsuit anymore. Um, but my opinion, the way I, I felt about it after researching, is that sh- that was more than justified. There's a lot of the tweets like that are, and messages that are are posted online in terms of how she was being treated in the company, the actual explicit messages. So, so I don't think the the details of that are necessarily important. But what I think was a big turning point in her life was that she faced one of the first. <clears throat> She wanted like people were trying to cancel her basically, right? They were, she was getting attacked like crazy online, and she sums it up very well and says that she was kind of getting like posted as the gone girl of Silicon Valley because she had, I think, moved to, to back to Texas or to Texas from so California. like the Ben Affleck gone girl. Yeah, exactly. Where and and I was actually talking to well, we were talking about this earlier, Joel. Where it was my interpretation. I don't know how you whether you were digging into this at the time or not but that was actually kind of and she was right because that's how i interpreted it. i thought she had made off with all of these shares tinders blowing up now she's rich she's gonna take off and copy the idea that's how i initially interpreted it how did you how what was your like sentiment on the initial i mean i can't i can't speak to how i felt in 2014 about right. Tinder and and bumble yeah um I was already deep in a three-year relationship at that time, so I wasn't using yeah. these apps, just so everyone knows. Right. <laughs> but uh, honestly, the it's 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 incredible the way in which m- the media can um, shape narrative, and they can make out they can make a mountain out of a molehill. molehill. They can yeah. create any sort of they can essentially decide how people s- view you in public life, and that is. While um, the reason why I'm so pro decentralization of media, also it's so powerful and scary um, the way in which we are now utilizing it today. So um, the fact that she was able to um, climb out of that um, hole of depression that she had found herself in, um, the fact that she was able to rise above the the media onslaught and then um, go out and build this outrageously successful company. I find that to be, um, I don't know how to put it, but she's she's an incredible role model for women. And um, further to that point, this, a lot of people need to realize that this is like three years pre-Me Too. Right. So she was like in the same Didn't way that... support. Exactly. In the same way, I think, I think um, uh, Wolf represents uh, the female movement in tech and um, business in the same way that... Uh, um, Ellen DeGeneres represents the movement for uh, gay women in uh, media and entertainment. Yeah, um, she's made it a little bit more socially acceptable. There's less of a stigma to be a power, or a boss, boss lady, a boss woman. She yeah. is the archetype millennial boss girl. Yeah, I, just so everybody knows this, she's worth th- over three hundred million dollars. She's like, listen to her on the Girl Boss Radio podcast. <laughs> like, she's she's incredible. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's neither here nor there, but I, I just, I wanted to highlight those things. I, I can't say that, um, I had any sort of opinion on this 
but yeah, I'm I'm sure I was negative on it, like everybody else was because of yeah. the way in which uh, people were reporting. Yeah, honestly, I don't think it can be understated how courageous that is to get not necessarily kicked out. She she quit technically from Tinder, but it was based on this unhealthy work environment, from my understanding anyway. And then within a year, start something that's so similar. And not to say that that is that again, I don't I don't think she copied the way that she explains the story and the way that I understand it is that she went through this experience and then said, you know what, this is like, this can't last forever. People don't want to participate, especially females in an internet that's just constantly attacking you. So her initial idea, I don't know if you got to this part of the story, Joel, but she apparently was going to start a, a compliment only, like female only social media site called Mercy. And I kind of love that time, idea. What's that? I kind of love that idea. We need that for for men. <laughs> yeah, just give Joel compliments. Um, this is a giving Joel compliments only <laughs> platform. <laughs> oh man, it's just an app that inserts your name and somebody <laughs> sends you compliments every day. Sends you nice things every morning. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, you have, you oh, have we good could, ideas. We, we should make that a an Alexa skill. The compliments. <laughs> I think that's got some some potential. Absolutely, good idea. Yeah. All right, but yeah, back back. So here's my my take on it. Without okay. cutting you off, but cutting you off, um, <laughs> is that she essentially empowered women yeah. by giving the choice to them. Yeah, and that is there's innovation in iteration. Right. So when pe- when people complain about, well, Apple iPod AirPods are actually the first ones. I don't really care if you don't think they were first; they're the best. And it, say what you want about Tinder and Bumble, but my interpretation of it is as as such. Bumble is a more professional, higher, more luxury uh, branded um, social dating website versus a Tinder. It is the Ferrari to the Toyota, the professional version, or let's call it Mercedes to the Toyota. So um, she was able to then, I I don't know, create something, something, and don't get me wrong, women are the, definitely the, um, the supply in terms of like, they're what people are going there for. Yeah. And then empowering them gives them incentive to be there. And guys are going to follow wherever they go. So she, in my opinion, she made it better. She made it better. Yeah. I don't know about you. The, yeah, the female empowerment thing is definitely one of the, the fundamental like pillars of her story. I, I didn't know about this whole Andre and guy. And that was interesting too, because I thought again, she had just championed this and, no discredit to her, but apparently this guy kind of comes out of the woodwork who founded a dating site. Was it only in Russia or is it global as well, Badu? I don't know this, so I, I can't say one way or the other, but I would assume it's strictly Russian. <laughs> yeah, he's a Russian billionaire and somehow gets connected with her. And she's about to start this Mercy site that is, is a website. And it's a social networking site. And he's like, no, 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 no. You come be some CMO of Badu. Like, we're already enormous. It's fine. Like, I'll hire you. Everything's going to be great. And she's like, no, I want to start my own thing. And it's going to be for female empowerment, blah, blah, blah. So then he's he says, okay, well, I'll invest. He, I think at the time, owed 80% of the company. She owned 20 of it. And they ran with this idea of Bumble, which apparently was like the sixth or seventh choice for the name. But... <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was interesting that 
it wasn't it was like the narrative is totally different that the narrative that like you said the media kind of shipped to everybody was she stole this idea ran with it and now for whatever reason it took off based on that that iteration that feature iteration of um you know girls being allowed to or females being allowed to choose within 24 hours who they they connect with so i guess the question for you joel that i have is do you think there's just an endless appetite for dating apps that's what it seems like there's Literally something else shows up and then boom, it's popular as well. Something else. I think what you'll notice when you look at the different um, dating apps is that they all are unique. Um, yeah. And I think in in relationships, um, there's so many different types of people and what they're looking for. Right. Um, there's people at different levels of, or stages of their life. There's also um, different dating apps that suit different people, right? So if you're... Um, a type of person that would have a better chance of gaining a mate based on a four or five pictures of themselves without any sort of depth of, of uh, let's say, information about that person, yeah. you might be more suitable for one app. If you are a woman and that's your, um, let's say that, that those are your strengths, then you'll you'll end up being more in line with another app. But let's say hypothetically you're somebody who you would be a better match for somebody if they knew more about you. And so something like Hinge might be a better option for you. Let's right. say you're a little bit older. You, you go in plenty of fish. Or let's say you're Christian. You got Christian Mingle. You have all of these unique dating sites. I don't think that it's like a flash in the pan. Mm. I actually just think it's more of where do you identify as being the strongest candidate? And then you utilize that, um, that, that um, the tools that are available to you there. And that's where you end up. That's the that's the platform that you end up using. Is yeah. that kind of? Is that it's kind more of a sense? category, I guess. It's not you know a lot of can coexist. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I don't think that there needs to be a, a winner take all in this space. Yeah. So and, and we're noticing that too. I think um, in terms of the um, the obviously there's lots of new ones and new iterations coming out at, um, quite frequently. Yeah. And so not only that, they're succeeding too. Yeah, I know neither of us are actually users of bumble which makes us a little bit maybe hypocritical but i'd be curious to to because I, I know you do invest in the space um mm -hmm. by way of match the match group which i think you can explain a little bit more detail but be curious to get your thoughts on their product specifically so less about Wendy's story and, and more how like the bumble product and the bumble brand i know you mentioned it was kind of like uh, a more elite higher-end brand but with their BFF product, their Bumble Biz. I know they even have an app for like Chappie for Gay Men magazine, all these kinds of things. They even just recently came up with a fund. Do you think that like ecosystem is, of apps is, is helping them or is that spreading them too thin? So I guess where I'd probably rather start is more along the growth idea, growth um, catalyst. Okay. And and before and then move towards the the additional features that they will add. So I mean, like any startup or any um, company that is um, growing, it's more important to do one thing really well. So matching people is incredibly important. But then I think what um, has started to to happen is that the the stigma attached to these online dating websites has started to burn, and it's not it's becoming less and less um, of a stigma itself, and you no longer need to get approval from your parents to go and date someone. Um, something like 75% of uh, new relationships in 2019 were started online. And to consider that 
and then also the total addressable market um, of being according to uh, I got to find this the source, but there's 700 million available um, smartphone using singles in the world. Um, to consider that and then look at the overlay of Match Group currently has 9.8 or 10 million subscribers. Um, Bumble a little bit less, but um, if you assume that and then having the um, the assumption that it's going to continue to grow, at least at, uh, at a pretty incredible rate. Just based on the wave? Just based on this wave that you want to jump on. If you assume that, well, you're looking at, let's say, aggregate-wise, there's 20 to 30 million people utilizing online dating. That's about 3% of the total addressable market. So now, in addition to that, these companies also generate a shit ton of cash flow. Pardon my French. Um, give you an idea of what that means is that they have an ARPU, which is um, average revenue per user, of about 60 cents per day per user. Um, so that's this, all the free users as yes, well? Yes, still generating. There's obviously cash flow spitting off of that because there is, there's advertising and then there's data harvesting and there's all that information that yeah. they, they obviously generate from their app and sell. Um, but it is a fast-growing business and then also still incredibly early when you think of just just about how many people are going to start using this. So it started to also expand into other markets. Obviously, we noticed it's been it's been big since 2014 in the United States and in Canada. Mm-hmm. But they've started to, um, Bumble specifically, move into India and um, cultures that generally have been a little bit regressive or let's not say regressive, but behind in terms of like the openness they are to multiple dating, serial dating, um, that sort of culture. And what this has done is it's really flipped their, their, their countries on its head and it's, it's empowered women to the point in which they've never had before. So, um, to get back to what you're, you're saying that they have all these new features that they're going to add, um, something that's really interesting is Hinge actually, um, partnered with Open Table. Oh, so the idea behind that is that they're going to be able to then um, essentially book book dates through this app. They're going to be able to um, connect and share Ubers and um, the. I, I think there's there's a lot of the Rundle. Yeah, there's 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 a a, a really large Rundle opportunity here <laughs> where um, you can kind of package an entire um, experience monthly subscription experience <laughs> to dating that that's possible here. I'm not suggesting it's going to happen, but um, there is a lot of power and a lot of um, influence that the idea of having unlimited opportunity in terms of dating for women is creating. It's creating an an entire new market, but also giving them so much opportunity to be their own person that just never really existed before. And that is really, really cool to consider. One thing I got to say is, and I don't know if you noticed this, but because we both listened to a lot of podcasts, I'm referencing the Kevin Systrom one on Invest Like the Best, but I contrasted that. So the Kevin Systrom and Mike Kruger were the guys that started Instagram, and they were on talking about product. And then I listened to a bunch of podcasts with Whitney, and I found that the difference was everybody talks about wanting to listen to their users, but I thought it was totally different, black and white, where they talked about math and she talked about empathy and actually listening more on a personal level and then actually implementing it. And that's how they found Tinder BFF because they were looking at people's profiles and noticing that a lot of people were starting profiles even though that they were in um, a committed relationship. 
and just looking to make friends in different cities. Oh I mean, yeah, I know. I was I was fighting for words. <laughs> uh, honey, I swear to God, I'm doing this to meet new friends. No, um, I think that that speaks mostly for me anyway. Like that just shows how important it is to have. Did you um, notice that with the Kevin executives. System thing? No, I'm I'm glad you pointed that out. I definitely didn't. Um, I didn't I didn't notice that. But that just. I mean, that just to me shows it's so, so important to have diversity in in sexes on your board within your business because yeah. they see and think of things you just don't because intrinsically they had different experiences growing up than you did. Yeah. They have different feelings than you do. So like, I don't know, maybe you should consider them. They're 50% of the population might be a good idea. Anyway, that's that's kind of cool. I didn't I didn't notice that. I'm glad you pointed it out. Yeah, the the I mean the other guys, their background to your point about their experience and seeing the world through that lens. Their background is both heavily in engineering, where she's a more marketing person, so I can understand why it was different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when the when Instagram was releasing new features, it was literally they would test something in uh, a nascent market or a smaller market, and whether or not the adoption was high, they would roll it out everywhere. So it was very math driven. But I I almost want to I don't know if this is going to get too much into the weeds, but I'd be curious to get more insight into the match thing because i know you put together some research for some of your clients on it mm-hmm. how do how do they how do they think about the nature of like churn or losing their customers to relationships do they talk <laughs> about that at all um so they do and it's it's a natural churn that you would expect if you have a successful and in, in working at website right yeah it's almost part of the game but the beauty of it is i mean with the exception of the fact that demographics are showing or at least pushing a, a contraction in terms of potential users, um, the idea of it being too good is almost similar to like Gilead and their ability to cure Hep C. I mean, if you get everybody in the world to mate with one another, you won the game. So, yes, there is a deterioration, but that has um, almost no. How do I how do I properly put this? It actually doesn't inc- it doesn't um they're not at a scale in which it matters yet, mm. because you have a like I said a three percent saturation of mark potential market, that is going to overwhelm any sort of deterioration metrics that you, we're not even close to the point in which this matters. The fact that yes oh my god it works that's not good. Yeah. The only thing the way in which they're trying to address that though, and to your point earlier is that they're trying to add new tools to keep right. people within the app, especially people that are obviously happy if it had worked for them. I mean, I actually have a, I have a friend who's now married because they met on Tinder. Did you hear Pete Buttigieg met his husband on Hinge? No, he didn't. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's wicked. No That's kidding. the best advertisement of all time. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I didn't know that. That's really neat. But, yeah, you know what? Um. Obviously, it's going to be probably one of their their larger challenges, um, retaining customers for a longer period of time. Um, and uh, obviously, the the reasoning for adding new features is to keep people there. But I do believe there to be an, an unfortunate reality that there is an end to to its use. I guess there's new customers every year too, right? People are getting into that. There, new, that but yes, they're they're going to have outsized churn rates just by nature of the business that they're in you know it's kind of like there isn't anything like it and interestingly enough since the advent of online dating um 
it's actually gotten so good at matching people that divorce rates are lowering. Really? Like effectively across the United States and in, at a meaningful pace. So, I did not know that. Yeah, that's absolutely banana land. To think that, um, I mean, what if you were to assume, what makes you, why would that be happening in your mind? Well, I would have guessed, like, <laughs> I don't know, the only uh, you know, explanation I would have is the Black Mirror episode of just being like optimizing for a next best match every time you use the app and you don't like continue that relationship there's definitely that like algorithmic benefit like netflix continues to get better at showing you the people that you like or the shows that you enjoy yeah um same in the same way that google ends up getting so good at showing you what you're looking or searching for this is more along the lines of um an improvement in um marketplaces so in the same way that markets have made uh, stock markets incredibly efficient and markets in general create efficiencies, um, it is doing the exact same thing for relationships. So it allows for there to be an incre- incredible increase in um, demand and supply, which allows for, their, for all of these like zero cost features to come into, into, the, um, into the, I don't know, let's call it... Uh, finding a mate scenario. So it it basically um, gives women a zero cost to saying no. I mean, in the past, if you think about it, like historically, women would have to go, well, mostly anyway, men and women would meet because whether they were going to church or they were uh, their parents or friends or family um, had put them together. Today, there's like this this weird ability where you can instantly just open up an app Within a couple seconds, it downloads a bunch of information from Facebook or Twitter, your your name, your, where you went to school, your like four or five pictures, and then you're within two minutes, you're literally searching for matches. So like the number of potential mates is now effectively infinite. If you think there's you're you're living in America, there's let's say fifty million singles, sixty million singles, potential singles. Well, there's probably like 60,000 people in a, in a city of 7 million that are available. You can swipe forever. So you now have, instead of having two options that you had at church available to you to marry, you now have six, let's call it six, five, eight, ten, fifteen thousand. 15,000. So a thousand times more options. Well, your information and your experience and then your ability to say no when you don't have a strong match allows for you to have an increase in information. So an increase in information improves your decision-making. Not only that, you delay making that choice to later in life. So in addition to this increase in information, you also have this unique dynamic where, um, unfortunately, there is this problem where Gen X and Gen Z own all of the houses, and millennials and and the generation below us don't have that opportunity. Right. They unfortunately are in this rental economy that for better or for worse, on the better end, has actually improved their relationships. Why? Because what a lot of people don't realize is, is that most people got married because they needed to get a house or they needed to start a family or they needed to do this or needed to do that. Um, Now we've been able to delay these relationships a little bit later in life. We're more experienced. We're more established. And by default, people have a better understanding of one another's goals so when they do choose to get married they make a better decision interesting so the the the, i believe that that is the 
um, the knock-on effect of online dating. It sounds boring, but it's because I was cool. I was under the impression I you know was going through this, and I don't know if you ever heard of the the paradox of choice by this Barry Schwartz guy, but he's okay. a psychologist and he talks about choice overload. So I would have anticipated the you know the supply the increase in supply just to make the dating experience more transient and well, i do think it definitely makes it uh, the initial relationship portion more difficult yeah. i mean you have human beings don't like too much choice however yeah, no however there was in my opinion not enough for women right and then making the right male choice of male or relocate or um, reallocating the power in re- the power dynamic in a relationship, it has been for thousands of years in yeah. men's in the men's favor. It's now been shifted a lot more evenly, especially earlier on in people's lives. Arguably, so, over to the like we were talking about this. Like, I think females actually have more power these days, don't you? I'm, uh, in this you research piece, I'd read. Yeah, in this research piece, there they stated that um, the reason for uh, what are those incel men is likely because of um, the increase in optionality for women and the fact that they've been empowered to the point in which they will, they don't choose to mate with these lesser than acceptable men and they become enraged. It's kind of, it's kind of scary and a little bit screwed up, but they, they make the assumption that incel men is a direct uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm, this is a not in support of insult men. It's just the, it's, there's a correlation here. I'm not saying there's causation, but there's a correlation in when incels started to creep in to society. You need to define when, incel because I'm pretty. So like incels great. are like these, and I'm not, I'm no expert in this space, but these are younger males between the ages of like 15 and 30 that have never had sex and they haven't had sex because this is not out of choice. They can't. Nobody will have it with them. And then they start to blame women for their um, involuntary celibis, celibateness. <laughs> so they become very violent. And um, there's like a there's a huge online tribe of them that live in the dark web. They're but, not all violent. I don't think yes, they are. Well, you know that it's ass- assumed that the person who bombed the Sherwood Park Library is an incel? Okay, that's a little bit... A little, little tinfoil hattie, but I'm telling you, that's what the news was saying. That's what they were saying on the news. All right, so we got two sides of the opinion. One is that uh, females have taken over, and then the other one from the Atlantic, which is my, I think, how I feel about this more, that... An abundance of potential partners causes online daters to be less likely to choose a partner and be satisfied. Well, none of the statistics show that this is true. I mean, human beings are obviously, in my opinion, happier than they have been in a long time. But there's a oh, lot. Oh yeah, of, I agree with that. There's a lot of data out there showing that um, there's some miserable people out there too. So it's obviously difficult waters to tread, especially for us. But as people who don't use these apps, but um, yeah, uh, I do think that it is an investable space. And if you assume that um, the increase in optionality for Muslim women, for um, Hindu women, for women in, in China, if you think that perhaps in the past they have traditionally been left with not enough choice, these apps 
or going to be if they consider themselves to be the the desired in the those relationships if they start to use these things there's nothing but upside potential in terms of um the adoption in my opinion yeah doesn't make it true but i do i do think that there's a lot of opportunity here i think if you think of of all um spaces in terms of investing as being growing like growing a growing pie rather than a depre- like a pie that's getting smaller well i think that this is one of those unique growing pie areas i would argue that it's positive some of... games what positive some game buddy yeah it's a positive some game but that's just because you can see how big the pie is it's hard <laughs> to imagine how big the amazon pie is going to be yeah but you know what i i got a i got a nice imagination <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one more comment about Whitney because I did a bunch of research on her. I just want to give somebody a takeaway in terms of like what maybe they, this is what I took away from her bio anyway. And then I got a couple other questions about the investment side for you. So she, she ended up marrying this guy named Michael Hurd and his grandfather owns 400 oil and gas wells. <laughs> in States. So you could just imagine I That's sent a, a picture of her birthday party on this like 300 foot yacht but <laughs> she she says that um she she's talked with him one-on-one a few times and the best piece of advice that he's given her is that experience is the most expensive currency in the world and i do appreciate her ability and i find this to be pretty common amongst people that were highlighting and just bios in general that i read is they they somebody reads the advice and then they put it into practice so by her hearing that, she goes out and seeks the advice of people who have already done it before. So that was part of you know, her leveraging that Andre Andreev guy who had already created a billion-dollar dating app in the Russian market uh, and numerous other experiences. Like she built this Bumble Fund, which you know, is using uh, Serena Williams, who you know, some people might say, like, what does Serena Williams know? But actually, if you look into it, she's married to... Um, one of the founders of Y Combinator. I can't remember his name at the time right now. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Alexis Ohanian. Yeah. So, and he's got like one of the best investment backgrounds of all time. Same as, you know, they go into India and she's looking to Priyanka Chopra for advice. So I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I just want to mention pretty that. Pretty cool that she's a new investor. Yeah. She's in the stack. Pretty impressive ad. I didn't see the ad, but uh, if the Jonas Brothers are in it, I'm going to be looking at it. <laughs> Which one did she, is she married to? Don't ask me that guy, man. I, I don't know. know. Probably the cute one. I don't know what that means, but like, I know that she's, she's yeah. in there. She's, she's not not famous. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, one, the other question I got for you is, yeah, I know you got uh, your long match or whatever, but what do you think about Facebook and like other Amazon and other people like, is it a repeatable thing? Can somebody else just jump in on this? Should I start trying to build another hinge? Or Yeah, maybe. Um, I think that this has a lot to do with trust. People don't trust Facebook. If it was Instagram branded, maybe. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't think people trust finding a match on Facebook. I do think that Instagram is used quite heavily for dating already. Yeah. Because it's by default basically the exact same thing as Tinder. Um. So I do think that that's a problem for Match in terms of, I think, Instagram just becoming this massive, all-inclusive app in the same way in which we, WeChat's become the same in, uh-huh. in China. Yeah. But um, if you were to ask for me to point out 
gaping holes in Tinder's app, I would say, oh boy, Instagram is scary. Amazon, on the other hand, whatever. They're going to throw, like, honestly, they're going to, they have unlimited money. Yeah. So they're just going to throw as much burning cash against the wall until something starts growing more cash out of it. So, like, whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on that. I do think that if there's somebody who can come in and knock the the current incumbents off their perch, uh, Instagram's scary. Same thing with Snapchat for my brother's generation. I know that all they do is send snappies to each other and whatever. And, like, there's something about Snapchat and its intrinsic uh, safety or just privacy that comes with it or just the belief that there is privacy there that I think lends itself to dating. Yeah. What do you think? Speaking of uh, Amazon's endless money, did you see Chris Rock's comment about Jeff Bezos at the Oscars? <laughs> no, I missed that. What did he say? <laughs> She's like, or he's like, we got, we got Jeff Bezos here tonight. Uh He's so rich that he got divorced and he's still the richest man in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such a Chris Rock joke. And then then they said something else. I forget what the show is called. He's like, yeah, he saw Family Matters or uh, this movie about families getting divorced. And he thought it was a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I actually watched that movie on it's with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson on Netflix. (laughs) <laughs> it almost made me puke. It was so scary. It was really? a it was a romantic comedy horror film. It's got like 8.5 out of 10 too. It's really quite good and well acted, but my god, every single um person who is en route to moving into each other's homes um for the first time needs to watch that movie cuz uh whoa. <laughs> All right. Do you have any summarization of your predictions? I know you're long dating, but you got anything else for us? Uh, none of this is investment advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, no. Um, I'm. I think that it's. I think that her specifically. The more I looked into her, the more I was impressed by. The you know what? Even the more that you talked about her, the more I was impressed by um, her her ability to transition, iterate, and then um, overcome what. I mean, a lot of people call the patriarchy, whether or not that exists or doesn't. Um, she won. And quite frankly, she's one of the most impressive millennials out there. I'm yeah. really happy that you chose to to highlight her. I didn't know enough about her until I started this, even as somebody who has done a lot of research into the um, online dating world as it just from my from my angle. So I, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, I think a lot of women should do a little bit more research about this person. Follow her on Instagram, Twitter. She has a podcast. She's fantastic. Look into her. Um, if you can model somebody, I think that she's a really good option. Perfect. I think that's a great ending. I'll chat with you on Sunday. All right. Later, buddy. If you made it all the way to the end, thanks so much for listening. Again, if you want additional context to the people we're highlighting in this Doer series, you can find links to social accounts and anything else we mentioned at grandtheft.life. We'll be back next Thursday morning with another Millennial Profile. In the meantime, look us up on Instagram under GTL Podcast. That's GTL Podcast. And do us a favor and click the follow button.
By the way, this should be common sense, but this podcast and our website are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Joel does work for Gold Investment Management, and all opinions expressed by him, myself, or any podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of GIM. Clients of Gold Investment Management may actually hold positions discussed in this podcast. Have a good day, everyone.